Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, Pastor Preji continues to teach from the new series, Emmanuel, with the heart for hosting God's presence in our lives. We believe this word will be a blessing to you. Are you ready to go into the word? Yes, yes what series are we in? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us or His presence is with us. Now we've been studying how to host this presence of God. What goes into carrying this presence of God. What goes into uh, being a man or a woman who is sensitive to this presence of God. Being a man or a woman who is intentional to converse and engage with this presence of God. That's what we are studying in this season. Amen. We're going to go into the book of 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. This is a story that many of us are familiar with, but we'll go into it and we'll try to glean everything that there is from this particular scripture. The Bible says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But, through, but, but though Naaman was a great warrior, he suffered from leprosy. It's talking about a king who was over a nation called Aram. And he had a general. The general's name was Naaman. And this guy, this guy called Naaman was one of those... Uh, guys who would fight the battle for the king and he was almost always successful. And because of his success, the king grew rich, the king became more prosperous, the king had more victories. And now the problem is amongst all of his victories, amongst all of the blessings that this guy's got, amongst all of the glory and the glamour that comes with him, being able to fight for the king. Here is a challenge. Here is a problem. This guy has leprosy. How many of you know that leprosy is not a pleasant disease? Leprosy is not something that will allow you to live life normally. That will allow you to go back into your relationships, be around your friends, to, to live a normal life. You know, the thing is, leprosy, it's contagious. You guys know this, right? Do I have to teach you about leprosy? Leprosy, it's contagious. Anybody that comes in contact with a person who carries leprosy can also catch the same leprosy. It's, it's a very dangerous disease where your body begins to get, start getting deformed. It's beginning at the skin and each part of the body. Now, the Bible says, here is a man who has such a great career, who has such a great lifestyle, where he is admired by his king, where he is celebrated by the people around him, and yet there is this one area in his life that he has not conquered. There is this one area of his life where he has not experienced total victory. There is this one dark crevice of his life where nobody can see, that nobody can understand, that still is hurting, that still is wounded, that still is decaying. And the Bible says that in spite of all of this, there was leprosy in this guy. Now, I'm, I'm going to point out to some of us who are in this place where we, are, we have 
10 things going good for us and yet there is that one thing that is hurting. There is that one thing that is, that is bad, that is ugly, that is not something we want to show to anybody. You know, leprosy in the Old Testament is like sin in the New Testament. Because sin, like leprosy, is contagious. You, you can catch it if you hang out with somebody who has been doing that for a long time. Uh, you know, and, and the thing is, in the Old Testament, the, those guys that had leprosy, they would be kept far away. Especially because of the ritual cleansing that these guys would have to go through. And anybody that would have to... Uh, anybody that is in touch with them would have to go through. People would not associate with a leper. In fact, when a leper would come on the road, from far off, he has to scream out saying, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. So that just in case you are walking by that road, you can turn around and get away. That you do not come anywhere closer to it. So that is the kind of rejection that these guys go through. That is the kind of lifestyle that these guys had where they would have to live outside the tent. They would have to live outside the civilization. They had a tent separately for the lepers outside the city, outside the village. They are not supposed to live with everybody. And the Bible talks about this guy who is not an Israelite. In fact, he's the opposite. He is the enemy of an Israelite. You know, that's the crazy part because... Um, I can understand if the story is about somebody who loves Israel and somebody who has blessed the people of God. Here, this, the Bible says this guy was an enemy of Israel and God was so interested in this one area of his life that needed redemption. So this morning, I want to tell you, you need to get ready to expose every leprous issues hidden in between the glorious victories and the blessings that you have within your life. Amen. So, so, in, so you may be surrounded by victories and blessings, but in between, whatever leprous issues are plaguing you, today the Lord has an answer for that. Amen. Verse 2, the Bible says, at this time... Ramian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among them, among their captives, was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Now, you, you understand this. Aramians, they are enemies of Israelites, right? Now, Aramians, what they have done is they have gone to Israel and they have raided a, a village, a town, a place, and they have captured a lot of people. They've captured their properties. They've taken a lot of plunder back. And the Bible says in, in that captivity, in that plunder, was a young girl that they decided they're going to give this young girl as a gift, as a slave to Naaman's wife. And, and, and she became a maid. You know, the Bible says that this, this person, she was, she was young. She was inexperienced. She has is, she is not seen life or she has not uh, experienced everything that, you know, that, that you and I have seen or experienced. She is not, she's not very qualified to, to uh, br bring a breakthrough. She is not qualified to bring a blessing. She is not necessarily prophesied ever before in her life. She has not done a lot of ministry. She has not had a lot of wealth or money of her own. But she, as inexperienced as she was, 
The fact that she was positioned in Naaman's house by God made sure that she is qualified to help them in the little way that she could. You know, several one of us, several of us, you know, we spoke about this last week, that not every one of us get to be a Mary. Some of us will be a Mary, others will be a, a Joseph. I was talking about how Mary carried the vision, but Joseph, he partnered, he, he made sure that the vision comes to pass. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, here is a breakthrough, a victory that the Lord is going to bring through a prophet in Israel. Now, this young girl who is sold into captivity, she was not a prophet. She did not have extra superficial or, or this amazing uh, supernatural abilities. And yet, because she was sold into this house, that qualified her to bless and to bring God's favor to these people, to this family where she was sold into. Now, the sad thing is when you and I are in this place, if you and I are in the place where we are sold into captivity, what would be your response? God has forsaken me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. If the, if the prophet in Israel was really a prophet, then this wouldn't have happened. Come on, tell me. Don't we talk like that? And here is this young girl who is hurt with her life. She is destroyed with her life. She's been separated from her family. She's been separated from her hometown. She's been separated from where she was. And, and, and now the Bible says she is placed in Naaman's house. And over there, in that house, she is being used by God. So let me, let me say this to you. Your lack of experience or your lack of ability is not a hindrance for the move of God. You, you know, sometimes we limit ourselves to what we can do or what we are able to do. If you, what, what, is, what really matters is your lack of willingness. Are you willing to let the Lord use you even in captivity? Are you willing to let the Lord use you even in your brokenness? Are you willing to let the Lord use you even when things are not going fine with you? You know, many of us, we are waiting for that day when everything will be perfect. Everything, you know, we'll have all the money in the world and we'll have all the, the our career will be in the right place and our family will be perfect, beautiful. And then I will step out and then I will do ministry. Then I will serve the church. Then I'm telling you that day is not coming. If you're waiting for everything to become perfect in your life so that you can serve God, so that you can be helpful for the ministry, I'm telling you, we're going to keep waiting like that for eternity. God is not looking for perfect vessels. God is looking for broken vessels. And it is your brokenness that allows the Lord to freely move through you to bless others. God is not looking for perfect people who is, who's going to say, oh, look at me, I'm perfect. I'm... No, there's only one person who was perfect and even the perfect one had to go through all of this. Jesus Christ, the way he was tortured, the way that he was hurt, the way that he was put down, the way that he was betrayed, he was spoken ill about. I'm telling you, your lack of experience or your lack of ability don't hinder God this morning. Amen. Verse 3, the Bible says, One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master 
would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his problem with leprosy. I wish, I wish, this is my prayer. This is something that I desire, that my master would go to the prophet in Samaria. He, she's giving an address to somebody that she is aware of when she used to be in Samaria, when she used to be part of this nation. She says, this prophet, this prophet can help you with the problem of leprosy. If only my master would go there, if only my master would heed to my advice and go there. Let me tell you this. There's always a cure for your situation. The only question is where, how, and when, and you know, what direction you will take to find it. There's always a cure. There's no leprous situation that you are stuck up in. There is no mess. There is no struggle. There is no sin. There is no problem, no demonic or physical or supernatural, no problem that doesn't have a cure. Everything has a cure. Everything has an answer. When you come to the presence of God, you have solutions for everything. Amen? Amen. So this is what the Bible says. It says in verse 4, So Naaman, when he heard about this, he went and told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. So this was the king's reply. This is not the king of Israel. This is the king of Aram. The king replies and says, Go now and visit the prophet the king of aram told him i will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of israel now this is not an easy task you're going to somebody whom you have fought with whom you have hurt whom you have betrayed, whom you have stolen from, who you have taken their people, their pl- you know, the plunder that you took, you have really destroyed their homes. Now, God is putting you in a position where you have to go and speak to these guys. The, 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 the general of Aram has to go, humble himself, and go. He's not, he, he cannot just send a servant. He cannot just... Say, okay, send the prophet to Aram. No, he, he has to go. This is a guy, this is the king of Aram saying, man, you need a breakthrough, you need to work for it. You need a breakthrough, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get out. You know, so often what we think is, you know, I'll just be where I am and uh, eventually everything will fall into I'll just go with the flow and someday I will turn out to be a good husband. I'll just go with the flow and someday my career will be all right. I'll just go with the flow and someday, you know, out of nowhere I will experience this financial breakthrough that has been prophesied to me, that has been spoken about me. It's not happening. You have to get up. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You may be a general. You may have had a lot of victories. But right now you're not talking about Something that you can get in your strength. You're talking about something that God can give you. So you have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to get up and go and visit the prophet. So if you desire change, you have to be willing to work. You have to be willing to walk and you have to be willing to labor towards it. Don't just come keep saying that I need a blessing. I need a breakthrough. No, start working towards it. Faith without works is... You believe that, right? We are not just saved by 
grace, we are also saved by faith. You know, sometimes we, we hype the grace factor so much. They're like, no, what we do doesn't matter. Only what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. That's all that matters. You know, I, I listen to a lot of preachers that teach about grace. You know, when it comes about your effort, they will say, don't worry, you don't have to do anything. The grace of God is there for you. But when it comes to tithing, they say, no, 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 but you should tithe. I, you know, I, you know then, then I'd be wondering, wait a minute, why, do you, why should I tithe? And they would say, it's so you can get financial breakthrough. And then I said, no, no, no. If you're saying it's by grace, not by works, then why are you asking people to tithe? Do you understand my point? Sometimes we can emphasize so much on it's by grace, not by works, but we are so hypocritical when it comes to other areas. You know, when it comes to our blessings, when it comes to how much money comes into the church, you're like, oh, no, no, that you cannot just depend on grace. That you have to give money. Why? See, the New Testament doesn't say that you do not have to work. Just because God's grace is there, it doesn't mean that you do not have to take active physical efforts and labor towards your breakthrough. If you want a financial breakthrough, you better start tithing. There's no shortcut to it. You know, I cannot, I cannot overemphasize the need of tithing. I'm not saying this because we need your money. I'm just telling you that is how, the, how it works in scripture. If you want a healing, if you want certain areas of your life to, to align up to God's plan for your life, you, you better start working towards it. Don't just wait around thinking that everything will be fine one fine day. No, it's not going to happen. You have to get out of your comfort zone and start working towards it. Amen? The Bible says that Naaman... He started out. How did he start out? He started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to cost you something. This journey towards your breakthrough, it's going to cost you something or the other. It's not going to be free of charge. It is definitely going to cost you something. Now, I'm not talking just in terms of money. It may cost you some of your relationships. It may cost you some of your uh, convenient, you know, sports. It may cost you your comfort zones. It is definitely going to cost you. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter... I present my servant Naaman and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Wait a minute. If you rewind the story, the young lady didn't say go to the king of Israel. What did the young lady say? There is a... He didn't, she didn't say there is an amazing, good and righteous king in Israel. Now, see, in... In days past, that is how it functions. You know, people would go to the king. People would come to King David or they would come to King Solomon. But right now, the person that they need to come to is not a king. The king may be glamorous. The king may have all the titles, all the people serving him. But there is one who is not known. There is one who is not uh, celebrated as much in this nation right now. And he is the one who is the answer. Now these guys, they go to the wrong person expecting him to be the one to heal you. Look at the letter. Look at the, look at the, the letter that was written by the king of Aram. It says, with this letter, I present to you my... Servant Naman, I want you to heal him of his 
he is putting the blame or the responsibility of Naaman's healing on the king. Now, this is what the Bible says. When the king of Israel read the letter, what did he do? He tore his clothes in dismay. And this is what he said. Am I God that I can give life and I can take it away? Am I God? Am I somebody that is uh, in the place of God that I can give life or I can heal. This guy is disappointed. This guy is going into depression because he knows what is coming after this. The next verse is, why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a... He knows that if this doesn't work, Israel and Aram, they are going to go into a full-fledged war. They're going into a full-fledged battle. Amen. And if they go into a battle, he knows that the king of Aram is more powerful. He's going to win. He has a general like Naman in his team. This is, this is not going to be an easy battle. So the king of Israel, he is already freaking out. And he's like, why is this man asking me to heal this person? Now, let me give you a life lesson there. If you are going to trust in somebody that doesn't have the capacity to bring your breakthrough, that doesn't have the capacity to bring your blessing, you are going to be disappointed and you're going to cause the other person also to be disappointed. Not only are you going to come back sad, but the person that you're depending on or trusting on, that person will also end up in depression. That person will also start sinking. You know, so often, so, so often, the one mistake that many married people do is to expect their spouses to do what only God can do. They expect their spouse to love them the way that God loves them. They expect their spouse to be that dependable the way that God is supposed to be. They can't. They are human beings. They can't. They are not capable of doing that for you. So when you depend, when you trust, I'm not saying you cannot go to the king. See, only the king knows the address to the prophet, so you need to go to the king. But the thing is, if you go trusting in the king, if you go trusting in the chariots, if you go trusting in the princes, then you are going to be disappointed. Then the person that you went to is also going to be equally disappointed. You're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt the person that you're depending on. Amen. And that is why this is such a scary thing. My friends, let me tell you this. There will be seasons when you have lack. There will be seasons when you do not have enough. There will be seasons when you do not have all the answers. Who do you go for in that seasons? You know, your pastors, they are meant to be there to help you. They are not your source. Can I say that once again? Your pastors, your leaders, your spouses, your best friends... Your physical or spiritual parents, they are not the source of your breakthrough. They are not the source of your blessing. They are there to guide you to the right direction. But they are not the source of your blessing. See, you need the king. You need the king. You definitely need the king. You cannot bypass protocols and go directly to the prophet. Because if you're coming to the land, you don't first directly go to the prophet. You have to go through the gatekeeper of the land. You have to go through the king of that land. That's normal. 
but to expect the king to do for you what the prophet is supposed to do for you may lead into utter disappointment. In fact, the Bible says the king, he tore his garments. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the three group of people that were never expected to tear their garment, one is the priest, the prophet, and the king. Because these three people, they are anointed by God and their, their garment or their mantle, it represented the anointing upon their lives. It represented the assignment of God upon their lives. And that is why you would see that one prophet would come and tear off his garment into two. And then he would say, 10 tribes now will go to another king and two tribes will go to another king. That is why you would see in the days of Jesus when the high priest tore his garment, the prophets, the apostles would write about it and say, hey, this was a prophetic act. What he was saying is, I am no longer a high priest. What he was saying is, I am stepping down from the position of being a high priest. So what this guy, what the king was doing is, he is he's seated on the throne. He has his royal authority as the king of this nation. But because somebody expected him to do something that he was not qualified and, and assigned and anointed to do, he tore his garments. And by tearing his garments, what he did is he stepped down. He said, I'm an ordinary guy now. This, this is beyond me. I cannot handle this. This is not something that I am qualified to do. So the Bible says in the next verse, it says, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had, wait a minute, it doesn't say when Elisha heard that there is a problem or that there is going to be a war or there is going to be a challenge against the nation. That is not what concerned Elisha. What concerned Elisha? The fact that the king has torn his clothes. That's more concerning for Elisha than all the warriors and the generals. You know, see, why did the king tear his clothes? Because he's thinking now, because I'm not able to do this, this is going to become a full-fledged war. If it becomes a full-fledged war, I'm going to lose this nation. And in dismay, in, in depression, in sadness, he tore his clothes, right? Why did the prophet get involved? The prophet did not get involved because of the nation being in trouble. He's, he knows this nation is under God's hand. Nothing can happen. But he knows that if my leader, if the king of this nation, if he steps down from his royal place, if he steps down into a sad state, if he tears the anointing upon his life, if he tears the assignment of God upon his life, then our nation is truly in danger. So let me tell you this, my dear brothers and sisters, my friends, my sons and daughters. Let me tell you this. The battles that you face on the inside of you are more dangerous than the battles that you face from outside. If you don't deal with the battles that come from the inside in the correct manner, if you don't have the correct response to the battles that you face on the inside, I'm telling you that even if God is on your side, even if God is fighting for you, even if God is the one who is giving you victory after victory after victory, you're going to end up in a loss. That is why the prophet, he immediately reached out and he said, man, I have to, I have to get involved now. So, so I'm, I'm, let me repeat this. Your internal disappointments is more concerning to God than your external battles. 
You know, I've taught on this several times, how Jacob, when he began to sink in sadness because of his son Joseph, Jacob was a man of visions. Every season of life, he will see the angels coming, he will see heavens opening, God coming down, giving him direction. You know, uh, God would come and say, okay, do, do business like this, and he would do business like that, and he will prosper. And God would come and say, don't, don't go this way, go this way, and he will do that, and he will prosper. Then God would come and say, you're not Jacob anymore, you are Israel now, and then he will prosper from there. Then God would come and say, now go to Bethel, now come and live in Bethel, and, and then he will prosper there. In everything that he did, he had words from God, visions from God back to back. In one season of his life, the Bible says when Joseph left him, okay, when he thought that Joseph is dead, he began to sink in sadness. He began, the Bible says that his family, they tried really hard to comfort him, but he refused. It doesn't say he couldn't. It says he refused to be comforted. Guess what? His visions and encounters with God stopped that day. It didn't come back till Joseph came back in his life. Way towards the end of the book of Genesis, the Bible says, when he saw the wagons that Joseph sent, the Bible says, Jacob's spirits revived. The very next verse, the very next few verses, I think it's chapter 49, it says, that night, God appeared to Jacob in a vision and God told him, go to Egypt, I will be with you. The, the directions got restored, the word of God came back, the guidance that he was waiting, everything got restored. So what was God waiting for? God was waiting for Jacob to get out of his sad state. Let me repeat this, your internal disappointments is more concerning to God than your external battles. The battles outside, you know, you know the, the focus of our life usually is at the battles outside, right? That, oh my God, how can, I, how can I be happy when this is what is being written about me on social media? How can I be happy when this is my bank account statement? How can I be happy when, you know, all these people, they are isolating me and rejecting me and all of that? You know, you know we, we, our focus is on the external things. When God says, no, wait a minute, how's your, how's your heart? Are you willing to still rejoice in the midst of all this? Are you willing to still keep your faith on? Are you willing to still keep your trust going on? Because that, the moment that you lose that, you have disconnected yourself from the source of your life. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 8. So the prophet, he sent this message to him saying, Why are you so upset? Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so upset? Look at your other neighbor and say, you better not be upset. You don't have no reasons to be upset this morning. Your external battles don't need to upset you. The God who lives on the inside of you is greater than the one who is around you. The, the one who is on your side is more powerful. He is more greater. He knows the way out of your struggles. So will you trust him? Why are you so upset? Send this Naman to me. And then he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. He's saying, he didn't come to meet you, bro. He came to meet me. Send him to me. I'll deal with him. I'll help you. 
So Naaman, the Bible says, the Naaman, he went with the horses and the chariots. And the Bible says, and Naaman waited at the door of Elisha's house. He is not used to seeing closed doors. Even the king wouldn't close his door on this guy. But here the Bible says, Naaman came and he had to wait at a closed door. The guy who has walked in victory after victory after victory, who has had divine directions to reach to this point, right? The, the lady, the young lady in his house said, why don't you go to Samaria, to the prophet? And he goes to Samaria and he says, okay, here is a prophet who can actually help you. And he finally reaches the destination where he can receive help. And the door is closed. Now that is where you and I give up. I did my part. I did, I did what God told me to do. Now it's time to pack up and now it's time for plan B. Now it's time to consult a doctor. You know, I'm sure that Naman doesn't even have that option. But the Bible says he waited there. He waited even though the doors were closed. See, my, my question to you is this. When faced with closed doors, are you humble or even desperate enough to wait, and are you, or are you willing to walk away from your breakthrough? You may be this close to your breakthrough. You may be this close to your blessing. So many of us, we are making round trips between your home and the prophet's house. You reach the prophet's house, you see the closed door, you reach the verge of your victory, the verge of your breakthrough, you see a disappointing situation, and then you head back home. Then you have to go all over again. You have to wait for a fresh guidance, a fresh word. We, we go back to square one and then we have to try it all over again. My question is, are you going to be walking away or are you going to be humble and desperate enough to stay there, to, to wait over there? But Elisha, the Bible says, he didn't open the door. He didn't let this guy in. Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. This is where it gets interesting. See, his, his breakthrough, his ultimate breakthrough is not even at the prophet's house. It's in the river. So the prophet, what he does is he just redirects him and he says, Sorry, bro, this is not the place. I'll give you the new direction. Go to... Now, now, this is what I want you to understand, okay? Naman is the sick person. First, he has to listen to his wife. Go listen to his wife. You know, usually women in those times and days were not valued or respected. Their voices were not accepted. But here is a man who was willing to listen to his wife. The wife said, I have a, I have a maid in the house. Who has something for you? So the wife redirects him to the maid. The maid says, if you go to Samaria, there can be help in Samaria. Then, you know, he takes the thing and he goes all the way to Samaria to meet the king in the land. The king says, I'm not God. I can't help you. And the king redirects him to the prophet. Now the prophet says, wait, 
your answer is to go to the river. Now the thing is, if you read further statements, you would see that he again had to depend on other people. His servants, you know, at one point he got married, he was going to go away, and their servants comes and says, wait, we've come so far, no? Why don't you try this? He had to now listen to his own servants. So do you see the journey that he took all the way from his own house to the king's palace, to the enemy's king palace, and to the prophet's house, and finally, even before he got down into the river, the people that directed, redirected, helped, spoke to him. Now, can you imagine Naman being stubborn, saying, no, 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 I, I will only listen to God. I will not listen to any human being. I will not listen to my wife. I will not listen to this maid. Who is this maid? You know, I, I'm not going to uh, you know, work with these kind of people. Give me people that of, you know, who have won the kind of battles that I have won. You know? Give me people who have, who have walked you know, in the glory, who, who is rich like me, who is educated like me. I will only listen to those guys. Sometimes the people that God placed in your life, they are not going to be as glamorous as you want them to be, but they are people that God has placed in your life. And you need to learn to partner with some of them. You need to learn to submit some of them, submit to some of them. You need to learn even to bless some of these guys because their goal is to ultimately lead you to the river. It's to ultimately lead you to the river. The river is where you're going to receive your breakthrough. The river is where you're going to receive your blessing. The river is where you will be cleansed and washed and made new. It is not in the prophet's house. It's not in the king's palace. It is not in your wife's bedroom. It is not in the servant's instructions. It is in the river where you will be cleansed. But all these people, if you're willing to value them, if you're willing to honor their investment into your life, they are all placed by God around you to push you a little closer to the river. To push you a little closer to the river. So don't be disappointed with these endless redirections. Instead, begin to partner with some of them and say, hey, I understand this. Will you, will you come along with me? Will you just join this? Battle with me. You know, the Bible talks about how David, when he was returning, when he returned to Ziklag, he came to find the whole place wiped out. You know the story in 1 Samuel chapter 31? He came from a battle, his wife, his children, the whole army, their families were captured and they were taken up by Malachites. Now, the Bible says they, they started praying and they started asking God to show away. And they started pursuing after the enemy that had taken the, their families away. And on the way, they found one Amalekite slave. One guy. One, just one guy on the road. He, they found him. And they, the Bible says, they started feeding this guy and helping him. This guy was about to die. He had not eaten for a long time. He was sick. That is why his masters abandoned him. Now David... He did not do it so that this guy can help him. He saw him on the way and he said, I'm going to help him. I'm going to invest into him. I'm going to sow. I'm going to feed him, take care of him. And as he did this, when this guy revived, David asked him, who are you? Where are you from? He said, I'm from the Amalekite team. So David said, so if you're from there, will you lead me to the Amalekite camp? So what David technically did is he partnered with a guy 
who can take him. Now, David is a great warrior. He doesn't need the help of an Amalekite slave to take him to the camp. He can find it on his own. And yet the Bible says he stopped and he partnered with this guy. He fed him. He took care of him so that he can reach the place where he can get his breakthrough and blessing. So can I, can I encourage you, friends? You know, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. I'm talking about the river today. But as we are reaching the river, you know, you, you wouldn't get access to the river overnight. Sometimes there is a process. Sometimes there is a wait period. Sometimes there are people that God would use in your life. Are you willing to work with them? And all of these people that God will use in your life, some of them may be in depression like the king was. Some of them may be imperfect. Some of them may not have the right understanding. They may be inexperienced or unable like the maid was. They may be in different seasons of life. But God can use anybody and everybody that God has placed around you to push you into your river. If you will believe, if you will trust in what God is doing in your life, every single person that God brings into your life, God can use them to bring you into the river. Amen? And, and so, so the Bible says, the prophet is telling him, if you do this, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your... But Naaman, what the Bible says, but Naaman became angry and stopped away. The reason being that this didn't seem logical to Naaman. That's not how it works. I have taken bath in the rivers before. This is not the first time. I go to swim in the river all the time. How many church services have I attended? How many pastors have laid hands on me? You're asking me to do this once again. How many times have I gone, gone for counseling? How many people have prayed for me? Why are you asking me to do something? This doesn't seem logical. This doesn't happen the way that you say it will happen. I don't agree with you. He was angry, in fact, because this wasn't logical to him. It says, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me and I expected him to wave his hand over me. Something that never, something that has never happened to me. Something unusual. Something supernatural. This is, taking bath in the river, I do this regularly. <laughs> this is not a big deal for me. And in fact, it says, and I expect that he would wave hand over the leprosy and then call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. That, that was my expectation. Then he goes on to say, on the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farfur, better than any of the rivers of Israel. Israel. Now he's, he's talking in no ways, in no direction, no dimension does this make sense that I have to go into a river in Israel. Because I have better rivers back home. They are much cleaner, more sweeter in everything. They are more beautiful. Why should I go down here? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman, the Bible says, he turned away and went away in a rage. But his officers, they tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply to go and wash and be, and be cured. So let me, let me tell you this. One thing that is going to be tested for sure 
in your journey to get into the river is your willingness to let go of your logical, rational, uh, uh, you know, your understanding, your way of doing things. That is going to be tested. If you're willing to let go of that. You know, for, for Mary, it was very hard to believe that she's going to be pregnant when she's never been with a man. For Joseph, it was very hard to believe that his wife, uh, who she claims she's never been with a man, is going to be pregnant. That, that process, that journey from being a rational, logical human being who, who knows that if there is so much income, there is going to be so many expenses. And if, if, if there is direct, if this is the direction that I, I travel, this is the direction that I will reach. That logical understanding, the leaning on your own understanding and experience. If you're not willing to journey from here to begin to trust in God 100%, that may be the hardest journey to make, but that is going to be tested. In this season, you know, we are praying that the Lord will manifest himself in unusual measures, right? See, I'm not preaching this word to you because this is in line with what I had prepared. What I had prepared was something else. But when I was praying, I got this whole word as a download in my spirit. And the Lord was saying, you need to prepare my people to enter into the river. It is not that the river is not there. Just, it's just that we are not reaching the river. That we come very close to the river, we get discouraged and we walk back. We, we, we are being directed to the river and then we get disappointed with the guy that is helping us and then we walk back. We, we reach to the edge of the river and then we are, not, we are not very fascinated with the quality of this river and then we go find another river. We, we, we are not able to get it into our heads that sometimes you need to get out of your understanding. Do not lean on your own wisdom. That journey, that may be harder than it looks like, but that is going to be tested in this season. If you are willing to let go of relying on yourself, then wait and watch what the Lord will do for you. That's why the Lord told the Israelites, will you just be calm? Will you just be still and watch what the Lord is going to do? Because he is going to fight your battles. In a battle, you cannot necessarily just stay calm. You have to... You know, go out, do something. God told the Israelites, do exactly opposite. Just be calm. Stay, put, and see what the Lord will do for you. That was a very scary moment for the Israelites to trust God to that extent. And Naaman was tempted in this place. And finally, Naaman yielded to the people that were helping him. And the Bible says, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin, are you ready? Read this with me. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. I don't know who this is for, but when you enter into this river that is flowing in this house this morning, some of your youth are going to be renewed like the eagles. Some of your facial expressions, your energy, your, your mental ability is going to be restored. You know, have, have you had children in your house? And have you wondered what are they high on? You know, have you wondered what are they eating all day long that, you know, even the days that you don't feed them, they are high. high. Parents, you, you try your best to not feed them sugar, right? Especially in the evenings. But that doesn't, I don't think that works. I don't think sugar rush is any real because even the days that you don't give them sugar, 
They are so, so thrilled and excited for everything that they're going to do. Can I declare that that is going to be your story this week? That some of you, you are going to be renewed in your strength, in your vigor, in your excitement, in your abilities, in your passion, in your desire for God's presence. When you encounter this river today, those areas that you have become very grown used to, now you're going to have a fresh vigor for those areas. In the mighty name of Jesus, you are not going to take this river for granted anymore. Because the Lord is renewing your youth. The Lord is renewing your skin. The Lord is renewing your sensitivity to His presence. The Lord is renewing your heart's desire for Him. Yes, the Lord is renewing your prayer life. The Lord is renewing your ability to worship Him. The Lord is renewing your ability to study the Word of God. The Lord is renewing you once again this morning. So wherever you are, whatever you are doing, are you willing to step into the unknown? Are you willing to say, I'm going to trust this process. I'm going to trust the men and women of God that God is using in my life. I'm going to trust this. I'm going to walk into it by faith. You know, Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. If you are thirsty, you have to come. Your thirst, according to the measure that you are thirsty, you will come. If you are not thirsty, you will not come. If you are hungry to see a change in your life, if you are hungry to see that dirt being wiped away, if you are hungry to see the renewal in your life, then Jesus says, why don't you come? Come, come to me. He says, he says, I'm the one who will take you to the river. I'm the one. Come. He doesn't say, anybody that is thirsty, go to your pastor. He says, anybody that is thirsty, let them come to me. Because I know where the river is. I know how to help you overflow. Then he goes on to say, anyone who believes in me, they may come and drink. For the scriptures declare that reverse of Living water will flow from his heart. Now, now, this is what you need to do. If you want, you come. And you need to believe. Because the moment you begin to believe, the moment you begin to leave your trust in your understanding, your knowledge, your experience, and you begin to believe, the Bible says now you will be able to drink. Now, as a natural result of your belief, you will be able to flow. Now, it's no longer you drinking in the river. Now, this river is going to flow through you. I like the fact that it says, rivers of living water will flow from whose heart? The believer's heart. Your heart. It doesn't say all of you go to your pastor because rivers are flowing from your Pastor, and that river, you know, every Sunday time, on time, if you go to church, the river that comes flows from your pastor that will refresh you. I'm, I'm sure there is a river flowing here in this house. But I'm talking about a river that you can carry back home. I'm talking about a river that will flow from your heart. I'm talking about a river that, that you go 
and begin to drink so much of this river that now you begin to become a carrier of this river yourself. And now when you leave that Jordan River and when you go into a dry wilderness, now when you go to a, a, a place that is uh, surrounded by famine, you will be the carrier of that river. You will reproduce the river that you received in the house on a Sunday morning. That is what the Lord wants to do through you. All that God is looking for is somebody that will believe. Somebody that will trust Him. Somebody that will let go and, and say, Lord, I am I'm willing. Let me read this out. Your ability to believe and trust God is directly proportional to, to the quality of your drink and the quality of your flow, to the quality of your river, to the quality of the blessing that will come out of your life. The ability, you know, it's, it's not dependent on how, how much money you have. It's not dependent on how educated you are. It's not dependent on how much you pray. It's dependent on how much you can believe. How much you can trust this process. How much you are willing to flow and, and be redirected. And when he said living water, he was speaking. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to? No, you don't believe it yet. You don't believe it yet. Let's, let's read it like you truly, truly believe it. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to? No, 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 not yet, not yet. One more time, let's try it. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to? Everyone who is willing to believe in him. Everyone that is willing to trust in him. So none of us are exempt. Yeah. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you are part of this. Yes. You will have that river in you. Yes. You will be able to drink this morning. Yes. Oh yes, we are not going to walk out of this place. We are going to swim out of this place. Yes. Oh, we are not going to just have a regular week. This week will be a week of flowing wherever the river takes us. This is going to be a new week. It says, but the Spirit of God had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So my question to you is this. How much glory does Jesus have in your home, in your heart, in your life, in your finances, in your career, how much of, how much of place, how much of value does this Jesus have? So you, you need to believe and you need to give Jesus his rightful place. Because you, you remember this, last week we studied this, that when we enter into the process of hosting the presence of God, it has to lead us into glorifying Jesus. If the process of hosting the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to a place of honoring and lifting up the name of Jesus, then that's not a move of God. That's a move in the flesh. But if every move of the Spirit, every genuine move of the Spirit will glorify Jesus. If Jesus can feel at home in your house, if Jesus can feel at home in your body, in your mind, in your career, I'm telling you, he has entered into his glory. And the moment he enters into his glory, I'm telling you, this Holy Spirit is going to overflow in your life. 
You know, Jesus taught a little more about this Holy Spirit saying, He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't. So can you look for Him this week? Can you constantly be looking for this river that is opened up for you? It says, and they don't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be Now, Jesus is talking about a time where it was illegal for the Holy Spirit to be in you. You understand? See, Jesus was speaking pre-crucifixion when Jesus had not made a way for God and man to dwell together. It was illegal for Holy Spirit and man's spirit to be in the same place. It was impossible. You know, the Holy Spirit will come upon certain individuals for certain tasks, but they will not get in. Because the moment they get in, this guy has to die. And it was not possible. The the way was not made. The blood of goats and bulls in the Old Testament, it only covered the sin. It did not cleanse you from your sin. So Jesus had not yet made a way. So Jesus told him, hey, you guys, you disciples, this Holy Spirit, this river is already with you now. And later... He will be in you. In you. So there is going to be a process where the river around you is now going to become a river inside of you and will begin to flow from your heart. Then, you know, Paul would write about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He said, don't you realize, what? Don't you realize that your church, no, your office no, your spirit, your soul, your mind, your emotions, what? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember this is the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about? And he says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who now lives in you and was given to you by God. So you do not belong to yourself anymore what what he's saying is now now you you are not in control of your life anymore now you don't have to be in control of your life anymore now there is a river that is living in you that you now belong to that river the river will lead you the river will guide you the river will help you and it is in your body in your body that you get to host this river in your body I'm not just talking about what, you ha- what happens in your spirit. See, in your spirit, the moment you get saved, the moment you receive Jesus, your spirit gets transformed, the Holy Spirit comes in. Now your body gets to host the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is why when we come together on a Sunday morning, we dance. With our body, not just in our heart. You know, some, some, some of us, we say, I'm dancing, I'm dancing. Deep down from the inside. In my heart, I am... In my heart, I am you know, doing break dancing. No. <laughs> Your body. What is the temple? Where does the worship happen? The worship happens in the temple. And now Paul looks at your body and says, now your body is the temple. Come on church, don't just worship God in your head and in your heart. Your body needs to be able to worship God. Your body, in your body there has to be sacrifices. 
that is where you can host the presence of God in the highest manner. See, see, it's very easy to host God in your spirit. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that your spirits have become one with the spirit of God. It's very easy. You don't need no theological understanding to know that you're already hosting God's spirit in your spirit. That's very easy. But the process, the journey of letting go of the control from the spirit to let the soul be in control of the river to letting the body also now being in control of the river, that is going to be embarrassing. That is going to be hard. But that is where the Lord is taking us as a church, where we can begin to host the river in our body, in our physical body, in our earthly, broken, imperfect body. We will carry the river. And then when you lay hands on somebody with that same hands that is carrying the river, that laying on of hands will heal the sick. The laying on of hands will release breakthroughs and release blessings for people that you are praying for. The laying on of hands will restore and will release life to people that you are praying for. That is where the Lord is taking us as a church. This morning, the Lord is inviting us. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. You know, when Jesus said, reverse of living water will flow from your heart. Jesus was, you know, saying, Jesus was quoting several scriptures from the book of Isaiah. And this is one of those scriptures. It says, with joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. The day that you got saved, there is a fountain that broke loose in your spirit. But now you have to learn to drink of that fountain. Now you have to learn to rely on that fountain. Now you have to learn to let go. Now you have to learn to let your soul rest. No longer relying on your intellect and your emotions. Now you have to let go. And now you have to let this river come come even into your body, where your body begins to host the presence of God. Now, when you lift your hands, you're not lifting it as a, a, a for style. You know, sometimes we lift hands for style. Because we are on camera, because we are in pictures, for style. No, not, not for style. Now, when we lift hands, we lift hands knowing that we are hosting the presence of God. In my hands, in my heart. I am, I'm, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm going to drink deeply from my fountain of salvation. It says, with joy, with happiness, with celebration, you will drink deeply. Because now, this morning, this season, the Lord wants to release that river in you for the people around you. The river that he has deposited in you, he wants to release that river. But we have to go through that journey that Naaman went through where he had to let go, where he had to trust. Let me ask you these three questions before I proceed. How desperate are you to be washed in this river? Before the river can become part of your life, you have to allow this river to wash you, wash you off of your leprosy, wash you off of those dark areas. Are you willing to honor the people that God would use in this journey? Are you willing to submit to some of them, bless some of them, partner with some of them? And will you let go of the logical 
reliance on your natural understanding and submit to the process. These are the three questions I want to leave you with. If you're willing to do this, I'm telling you something divine is going to get unlocked in this place this morning. Let's pray. All over this place, just for a moment, disconnect from everything, everybody and everything, and just connect to the river. Just just connect, just, just go, just start digging your own well and start connecting to the river right now, wherever you are. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join in to any of our Sunday celebration service at 11 a.m. Or you can tune in to our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.